Okay, welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, August 5th, 2022. And is there a more dangerous person than Nancy Pelosi today? What she did over the past week when visiting Taiwan is the most irresponsible, the most self-centered, and the most dangerous act of an elected official in recent years. Essentially what she's trying to do, I think in her evil mind, she's trying to provoke a war between the United States and China. I can't think of any other motivation other than to bookend her so-called legacy in history, and I'll get into that later. But here's a woman that for the past six or seven years, particularly under Donald Trump, has undermined the progress of America. And it's only because of her own personal hatred for Trump. And what she's done is she's let her own personal hatred of Trump undermine the country. And this last stunt she did with China just is absolutely ridiculous. And again, I'll get into that later. But just out of the blue, she decides she's going to go to uh, Taiwan. And she's an evil person. Evil person, whether it's uh, uh, Putin in Russia or she in China, they're going to take advantage of Biden's weaknesses. And Pelosi took advantage of the Biden administration's weakness. He just said, I'm going over. I don't care what you think. I'm going. Apparently, the administration tried to talk her out of it, but they were unsuccessful. And again, that is just showing China the weakness of the United States. And it escalates the probability that we get into an armed conflict with China. And it's all about her. And you're thinking about it, of all the time that you want to provoke China, we are at a weak point. Our economy is weak. Our military is having problems with getting new recruits because the military is more involved with wokeness than with fighting. They'd rather have a woke army, a transvestite sensitive army, rather than guys that can go out and kill. And that's what you want from your army, the ability for them to kill. So we're, we have a problem with getting new recruits. We're shipping a ton of armaments and depleting our own to Ukraine. Our economy is in bad shape. And what does Pelosi do? Oh, yeah, let's, let's poke China. Let's try to get into a war with China. We're at our weak point. We have a weak administration. We have a weak economy. Our military's weak. And Pelosi goes over there because it's all about her. And here's what she's trying to do. She's trying to cement her legacy as some anti-Chinese elected official. So what she did is in, early in her career, she visited Tiananmen Square. Uh, I think it was two years. I think it was in 1991, a couple of years after the Tiananmen Square revolt was repressed by the Chinese government. So she went out there, snuck away, went to Tiananmen Square and unfolded some small flag that said, oh, we remember the people that protested in Tiananmen Square. And the Chinese were unhappy at the time. And she knows her career is ending and she wants to be remembered as uh, somebody that fought back against China, which is farthest thing from the truth. But in her mind, she doesn't care about the details. She just is more interested in 100 years from now, 200 years from now, God willing. 
people will view her as some anti-Chinese warrior, which is the farthest thing from the truth, which is so ironic. But it's all about creating fakery with Pelosi. And it's all about her. And it's all about her being evil. Now, if Pelosi was such an anti-Chinese elected official, where was she when China was let into the WTO, the World Trade Organization? Not a peep from her. Or when Dianne Feinstein's driver was exposed as a spy for China. Not a peep from Nancy. Or how about the slave, the slavery in China, the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs? Not a peep. Did she say anything to Nike about all of the sneakers and paraphernalia that's manufactured in China by slave labor? Not a peep by Nancy. But she wants you to believe she's some great anti-Chinese warrior because she got a photo up in Tiananmen Square and she went to Taiwan and increased the probability of war with China. And not just that, she's doing it when we are weak. We are not strong. And again, you think about what Pelosi has done over the past five years. She's oversaw two fake impeachments of the sitting president of the United States. She failed to work with the sitting president for any infrastructure bill. You think about all these trade agreements over the years that benefited China at the expense of our American workers. Oh, that's anti-Chinese? Oh, yeah, Nancy. Is that anti-Chinese? Remember when she called Trump a racist when he wanted to shut down incoming flights from China? That's not anti-Chinese. That's anti-American, Nancy. And remember when she tore up Trump's State of the Union speech? Again, this is all about her. It's not about what's best for this country. It's all about her because she is the epitome of an elected official that just wants power. And the perfect example of her quest and lust for power is when she elbowed out a poor kid, Myra Flores' kid, during a photo op when she was sworn in. So again, this is all about Nancy. She wants to be remembered as an anti-Chinese person. She thinks... This is a perfect bookend for her career. Tiananmen Square, 1991, Taiwan in 2022. Well, Nancy, we're not going to remember you as some anti-Chinese patriot. We're going to remember you as one of the queens of the swamp. And you know what's funny? This move that Pelosi did to visit Taiwan And this, in her mind, she probably thinks this. She probably thinks that she is Helen of Troy. Bear with me on this. Uh, You know, I I studied Greek mythology when I was in college. So uh, who Helen of Troy was? She was the most beautiful person in the world. And she was the wife of Menelaus, the king of Sparta. And what happened is Paris, the son of the king of Troy, kidnapped Helen and brought her back to Troy. And this started the Trojan War. So Menelaus wanted his wife back, and they went to war. And I think Nancy fancies herself by this decision as being a modern-day 
Helen of Troy. And you think about it. She's in her mind, oh, I've got so much power. I can start a war if I want to. And that's how she feels. And that's how people that lust for power ultimately self-implode and implode those people around her, including a country. So she wants to be the modern-day Helen of Troy. And you remember the phrase, the face that launched a thousand ships. In her mind, that's what she wanted. But in reality, it's more like the face that launched a drunken husband. So now what we have here is we have China is suddenly doing war games around Taiwan. Believe it or not, shocking, huh? And now there's talk about a blockade. There's talk about China blockading anything coming in and out of Taiwan. Taiwan supplies a vast majority of chips to the United States. And it's an integral part of our economy here. I remember last week I spoke about uh, they had passed legislation to bring chip making back into the United States. But that's going to take 10 years before we ever get any results, if we get any results from that legislation that the Biden administration had Congress pass. And to add insult to injury for the United States, and this is ironic, now China is coming out and saying, look, we're not going to help, we're not going to cooperate in any climate change negotiations. So you just lost that, Nancy. But again, we know it's not about the country. It's about you. It's about what you want to do. It's about your lust for power. And I firmly do believe in her mind, she gets off on the fact that she could start a war. Now, speaking about people that screwed this country up over the past 30 or 40 years, let's talk about Dick Cheney. He's on the other side of the aisle, at least on paper. Dick Cheney, the former vice president of the United States, the architect of likely the biggest blunder that any American president has ever made, the second Iraqi war. So what I want to do is I want to go to a clip of a commercial that just dropped by Dick Cheney endorsing his daughter, Liz, who's going to get blown out in the Wyoming Republican primary. And as you know, Liz Cheney is leading the charge against Donald Trump. And again, this is all personal. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the democracy. It's all about Liz Cheney trying to get Trump. Now, she's not going to succeed, but it's all a personal thing. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. No greater threat to the Republic? How ironic is that? 
Now, Cheney was the most hated Republican in the country. So he's happy. You know, he just throws it on uh, Donald Trump. The only difference is that now we've got rhinos and left-wing wackos that are hating on Trump. But Cheney doesn't care. Hey, just get that moniker off of me. And how ironic is this, that this this is the guy, and he's got a lot of nerve to talk about lying and misleading. He was the architect in this blunder of the second Iraqi war, which, if you can remember, killed and maimed so many American kids, drove up our debt by trillions and trillions of dollars, and helped bring in Barack Obama and this far left-wing ideology that we're fighting today. So it's so rich. But again, my point is, Nancy Pelosi, Dick Cheney, on paper, they're on different sides of the aisle, but ultimately, they're in it for themselves, and they're screwing the American people. How come, Mr. Cheney, why didn't you talk about getting us into this war and the company where you have close ties to Halliburton benefited from this war exponentially. Oh, there's no conflict of interest there? There wasn't some payback? little favor bank going on by you by getting into this war and giving contracts to Halliburton? You know, just seeing Cheney again, just the foolishness of the American people to believe this guy, to believe the whole dog and chony porny show that they put together. And I, and I still remember it was Colin Powell going to the UN and presenting this whole bizarre narrative about weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Hussein had. And they had cartoons. He was using cartoons and, you know, it was almost stick figures and, and pictures of trucks, drawings of trucks that a 15-year-old kid likely drew. It was just, the argument was so weak, just absolutely so weak. And Cheney was the architect of this. And he's got the nerve to talk about lying. So I wish he would just go back under his rock in Wyoming and never be seen again. But again, it goes back to these cohorts, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, Dick Cheney, most of those elected officials during the time period that both were in office, screwed us. And I don't want to hear from this guy again. And hopefully, I don't think you do too. So we shall see. Well, on Tuesday, we had some primaries, and it was a good night for Trump-backed candidates. And I don't know who had said this, um, but I, and I would give them credit if I can remember their name. That person said that in 2016, Trump took over the Republican Party. And in 2022, Trump is putting his stamp on the Republican Party. And that includes the MAGA movement. So let's go over a couple of uh, results. And in Michigan, we had uh, Trump-backed Tudor Dixon win the gubernatorial primary, and she's going to take on Gretchen Whitmer. Now, the one I find interesting is that uh, Representative Peter Mayer, he lost to Trump-backed African-American candidate John Gibbs. 
And again, Mayer voted to impeach Trump. So it's a little payback for Mayer. Now, the interesting MAGA sweep was in Arizona, where MAGA-backed candidates took the gubernatorial nomination, the attorney general nomination, and the secretary of state nomination. Now, Mark Fincham took the secretary of state nomination, and Abe Hamadat took the attorney general primary. And that leads Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is a wonderful candidate, former anchor, news anchor out in Arizona. And she was under attack by rhinos. Massive amounts of money were thrown against her, and she still won. And she, she will take on Katie Hobbs, who is the current Secretary of State. What I find interesting, though, with uh, Carrie Lake is I was watching the results come in. And Carrie Lake was leading by at the time by a couple of percentage points. And all of a sudden, the counting stopped. Now, on Katie Hobbs' side, the Democratic side, the 91% of the vote had come in. But for some reason, Carrie Lake and the Republicans, they were stuck at 81% for a while. And I just find it so strange because Lake and the Republicans were stuck at 81%. I later found out that um, I think it was Penal County had shorted the number of ballots in their voting precinct. And that still should not have resulted in Carrie Lake's vote being stopped. So there's got to be something more than that. I, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I think that there was a message going on here, whether it was uh, by rhinos, by the Democrats, or by both, that they could still screw around with Carrie Lake's vote. And I heard that the supervisor of elections at Penal County was fired. And who knows, you know, is he going to sue? And then is there going to be some interesting information coming out in that lawsuit? Who knows? But there's, there was something going on here with Carrie Lake, and I think we should take a look at what's going on. Now, part of me thinks it was intentional. It was a way of Hobbs just showing you, I, yeah, I can still screw you if I want. We can sc- The establishment can still screw you if we want. Not only that, she uh, it, it took away some of uh, Carrie Lake's momentum that she could have had on election night. So it's so ironic. But this is what we're dealing with. And, and they're not going to go down without a fight. And we think we're going to take the House. But remember, they are going to fight back strong. Because now the coalition is the far left, and rhinos. Now, the good thing about, and what I mean about rhinos, I'm, reading, uh, I'm talking about a very few number of individuals, but they have a loud voice. They either have a lot of money behind them or they have name recognition. You know, good, a good example is Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey. He's a rhino. He's got name recognition. You see him on Sundays on George Stephanopoulos' show. But he's only one person. And as I have always said, there are more of us than them. MAGA is working class Hispanics, 
African-American men, middle-class, upper-middle-class Americans, they're figuring this thing out, and there are more of us than them. And Carrie Lake is a perfect example. The rhinos, they can throw as much money as they can at Lake, and she still won. So just remember this. There are more of us than them. You may see more of them on TV. You may read stories about all this money going to a MAGA opponent. But remember, they only have one vote. And there are more of us than them. So we shall see. Now, I want to talk about Biden's executive order number 14029, which calls for federal agencies to develop their own plans to register voters in states that use an agency, services, or programs, and directs the agency to share the plans with the president without first speaking with the states. Now, essentially, what Biden's trying to do with this executive order is to bring the administrative state into the election process. Now, quite frankly, you know, if state employees did this in uh, New Jersey or uh, Wyoming or a lot of other states, uh, they would lose their job and go to jail. But Biden's asking federal agencies, federal employees to politic. And this is nothing more than politicking because we know what's going to happen when you have federal employees on taxpayer dime going out and standing on corners and trying to solicit voter registrations. And we know what's going to happen once these voters are registered. They're going to go directly to the DNC. And this is a serious problem in the sense that, I, A, I don't think it's constitutional. B, I think it's unethical for any uh, federal employee to uh, become involved in the election process by soliciting voter registrations from people. And there's two things the Republicans have to do. They have to let the, these agencies know that the Republicans are watching. So what they should do is a FOIA request on each of these plans that the agencies are required to submit to the White House. And the other request they should make is copies of all registrations that were solicited. Now, that may be held up by the White House attorneys. But even with that said, it sends a message to let them know that we are watching. And, and if we can't get those copies of voter registrations, at least we should know the policy that has been implemented and the chain of custody of these voter registration documents. So with that said, you can put everyone in that bureaucracy on alert that they potentially could be foia and their actions involving signing up people to register to vote is being watched. And I just find this absolutely bizarre. You're paying federal employees to 
I'm sure in some cases, to stand on corners, to solicit voter registration forms from residents, or if some subgrantee receives a grant from the federal government, and you've got some department head from the federal government asking those that receive federal grants to, hey, I need your help on this. Can you sign up six or seven people? Can you get six or seven people registered? That's what's going to happen. Because I know the game that goes on. These people that receive these grants, they're going to be more than willing to sign up people to vote. And again, as I said before, these these uh, new registrations are going right to the DNC. And through a FOIA request by the Republican Party, you can find out with the chain of custody how these registrations are winding up with the DNC. So I hope they're on top of this, the Republican Party, because this is one of those cases that if they don't act now, it's going to make it much more difficult for us to get information from the federal government on this. And I think that there was a number of secretaries of states. And now remember, it's the secretaries of state that states in most states that oversee the elections. I, I think there were 17 or 18 that said um, they have a problem with this and they sent a letter to the White House. And one of the things they brought up, one of them, I think it was in Wyoming, they said that this executive order is actually unconstitutional because, as we all know, it's the state's legislatures that set up the voting process in each state, not the federal government. So this is going to be interesting as we move along on this thing and as we get closer and closer to the November election. And I think hopefully the, uh, the RNC is on top of this. So with that said, we shall see. So I think it was one or two episodes ago, I had uh, talked about a Dartmouth climate change study. And the result from the study was that those economies in warmer weather, like Canada and Russia, benefited from global warming because it extended their crop season or it extended their ability to grow crops. Well, that's a good thing. Now, let me just read an article here, and it's from CNBC. And it says here, parts of the Great Barrier Reef show highest coral cover seen in 36 years. So it says here, two-thirds of the Great Barrier Reef in Australia recorded the highest amount of coral cover in nearly four decades. Though the reef is still vulnerable to climate change and mass bleaching, a monitoring group said. So the article goes on to say that apparently coral recovers. Now, there's this thing called bleaching, and apparently these climatologists or these pro-climate change groups are blaming warmer weathers on this thing called bleaching. And what bleaching is, is when the temperature of the water, and again, I'm not saying that this is true. This is what they say. They say when the temperature gets warmer, the uh, coral expels the algae that's attached to it, which causes, they call it bleaching. It, you know, it, it shows its whiteness. It turns white. And they say it doesn't kill the coral, but it makes it susceptible to disease. 
And apparently in 2016 and 2017, they had a bad bleaching problem uh, with coral. And it's recovered from this. And this is what they don't understand about the climate. The climate is always changing. And the climate recovers. Coral recovers. Humans adjust to their surroundings. And the one thing they, they kind of bury, or they like to bury, is they say pollution can affect bleaching of coral. So my question to them is, why does pollution take a backseat to climate change for these people? Because it's not part of their narrative. And this is why they have a, a bizarre mentality. Oh, pollution's only a sideshow here. Nothing to see here. Climate change is, though. And let me tell you, you take care of the environment, everything else will take care of itself. But the climatologist, the, the pro-climate change group, doesn't want you to know that because this is their religion. They want you to worship the climate, bring gifts to the climate gods. And as we get similar studies that come out, I'll present them to you because there's only one God and it's not nature. God created nature, but they don't acknowledge that. Again, these people are just secularists. They believe in a secular world. There is no God. There is no afterlife. So they have to create their own gods that they can placate. And climate change is one of them. So good luck to them. I don't think so. Okay, let's take a look at the markets. I spent a lot of time on economics in the market last uh, episode. So I'm going to keep this one relatively short. So let's go to the Dow. The Dow finished for the week slightly down to 32,803.47. Year to date, the Dow is down 9.73%. The S&P finished up slightly for the week to 4,145.19. And year to date, the S&P is down 13.03%, while the NASDAQ finished slightly up for the week to 12,657.56. And year to date, the NASDAQ is down 19.1%. There was a surprise in the payrolls this week, and the estimate was 258,000 jobs created. However, 528,000 jobs were created. So it was a surprise, and we shall see what happens. The uh, CNBCs of the world and the Bloombergs and the cheerleaders uh, uh, of the uh, Democratic Party who want to see this uh, market driven up are trying to use this as a positive thing. And quite frankly, nobody knows. So with that said, the 10-year was up 15 basis points today to 2.827, while the two-year note was up 20 basis points to 3.242%. Again, this is an inverted yield curve, which is indicative of a recession. So one thing I wanted to point out that's very important, an important number came out today, and that was wage growth. And year over year, wages grew 5.2%, again, year over year. However, our inflation rate is at 9.1%. So essentially, um, we are nearly 4% behind the eight ball. So over the past year, 
your paycheck is worth almost 4% less. And people like to say, well, that's a tax. And it is a tax. You're getting taxed. You've been taxed 4% right off the top over the past year. And this is why inflation is terrible for the middle class, terrible for the working class. Because they need the money. And a vast amount of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So this is not a good number for those Americans. Now, this inflation rate, now this spread between wage growth and inflation likely has something to do with another number that came out today at 3 o'clock, consumer credit. The estimate was $27 billion. However, the actual number that came in was $40 billion. Consumers are borrowing at a tremendous rate. And I'm sure this has to do with the fact that they're falling behind in their wages. So they're falling behind in their wages and they have to make that up somewhere. And they're making it up somewhere by borrowing it, just putting things on credit cards. That's not a good sign. So gold futures, gold is trading right now at $1,792.40, while silver futures are trading at $19.86. Oil. Oil futures are trading at $88.53 per barrel. Bitcoin. And right now it is 9.22 p.m. on Friday, August 5th, 2022, and Bitcoin is trading at $23,261.75. Ethereum is trading at $1,739.47, and XRP is trading at $0.37. And looking at next week's economic calendar, there's just one item that jumps out. Next Wednesday, our CPI number is coming in, so be on the lookout for that number next week. And with that said, I want to thank you for listening. You have a good week and I will talk to you next Saturday. And I am going to leave you with some clips from Donald Trump speaking in Wisconsin tonight. So um, it's about four minutes, but I tried to pick some of the best highlights from his speech. So again, take care, have a good week, and I will talk to you soon. It's crazy. What they're doing to women's sports is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And it's very unfair to a thing called the women's movement, because I'm a big believer in the women's movement, and it's a very unfair thing. So whether it's politically appropriate or not, I'll say it, it's a disgrace what they're doing. How stupid is it? No teacher should ever be allowed to teach transgender to our children without parental consent. What they're doing to your children, essentially behind your back, is crazy. I mean, who would think that we'd be talking about this? Let's say 10 years ago, six, seven years ago. Who would ever believe we're even talking about this? When Republicans retake Congress, they also need to crack down hard on Big Pharma for giving puberty blockers and other dangerous drugs to mutilate our youth, puberty blockers. Do you think we'd be talking about puberty blockers seven, eight, nine years ago? We will save our kids and every federal bureaucrat who is complicit in this travesty needs to immediately be fired. You're fired. 
You got to be fired or worse. Another one of the highest priorities for the Republican Congress will be to stop left-wing censorship and restore free speech in America. We don't have free speech. The radical left Democrat party is not a 50% party within our country. They're against God, guns, oil, law enforcement, voter ID, tax cuts, regulation cuts, the Constitution. They're against our founding fathers. But actually, other than that, they're quite nice, aren't they? The way they win is to cheat in elections. I really believe that. They cheat in elections. They're professionals. If they devoted that genius to fighting for us against foreign countries, we wouldn't be ripped off by every country in the world. We want to get rid of fake drop boxes. They're a fake. It's a disgrace. No private money pouring into local election offices should be allowed. And ultimately, we need same-day voting with only paper ballots. So France just had an election. You know, it's a country, big country. 35 million people voted. It was paper ballots, and it was a same-day election. One day, 10 o'clock in the evening, you listen to the results. And my friend Macron won, and a young lady lost, and she wasn't complaining. She lost. But they had paper ballots and they had same-day voting. And you don't use mail-in ballots except for people that are very sick or military that's very far away. And in 2024, most importantly, we are going to take back our magnificent White House. We're going to take it back. We will shut down Biden's border disaster, reinstitute our strong remain in Mexico policy, strengthen the patriots of ICE and Border Patrol. We will again end catch and release, one of the dumbest programs ever. We will end chain migration. We will end the visa lottery and we will clamp down on illegal immigration just like we did less than two years ago when we set record lows on illegal immigration and drugs. We will stop the crime wave in Democrat-run cities. We will give our police the power they need and the respect they deserve. And we will not take immunity protection away from our police. We will restore law and order in America. We will protect innocent life. We will defend our Constitution. We will defend our totally under siege Second Amendment is under siege. They want to take your guns away. And we will proudly uphold the Judeo-Christian values and principles of our nation's founding. And in conclusion, our MAGA movement, the greatest movement of all times in this country and in many other countries, no matter where you go, it's the greatest political movement of all time, probably the greatest movement of all time. Together, we are standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever seen.